It's Sunday morning. Time for some jazz. Five songs, five stories. Part of the ongoing Songs and Stories uh, podcast series on music. This is the Supplemental Jazz Edition, Part 37. The main show, of course, we're up to uh, Volume 88, and I'm currently in the process of recording Volume 89, but uh, life gets in the way sometimes, and and your long projects take a little bit longer than you thought they would. But that's okay. I've got time. I hope you've got some time today, too. At least 60 minutes worth to sit back and relax and enjoy some really great jazz songs. Five compositions that I have selected for today. I'm going to start things off with a young man from Indonesia who has been labeled everything uh, that he is. He is an absolute prodigy and a jazz genius, and who at the tender age of 17, yes, I said 17, he started at 12, his first recordings were at 12, but at the tender age of 17, he's just released this track only, uh, my goodness, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, When was this released exactly? Oh, not even a couple of weeks ago, what am I saying? A couple of days ago, May 24th, so last Monday. This is the most recent composition. This is Joey Alexander with Summer Rising.
prodigious phenom that is Joey Alexander. His most recent release on the 24th of May, so just this past Monday. This was written during the height of the pandemic, and uh, about the song, this is what Joey has to say. He says, um, Summer Rising is, um, well, he, I wrote it during the height of the pandemic, and to me, Summer Rising, I would say basically it's about, in this uncertainty, how do we rise above it? Interesting. I mean, the man is a prodigy. Well, the man, he's a boy. He's 17. He hasn't even hit his 18th birthday yet. I made a mistake earlier. His, his first album was released when he was 11, not 12. Yeah. Give you an idea of how much of a prodigy he truly, truly is. An absolute genius recording star. And as, as jazz artists, um, the large part of one's income is based on live performance, like any musician these days, actually, but his recordings are selling quite well for, for a jazz artist. As, as we all know, jazz is not, a, not mainstream by any stretch of anyone's imagination and, and doesn't tend to sell a million records. But nevertheless, Mr. Alexander shall be uh, performing for decades to come, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about the music we've yet to hear from him. He said, um, I started to create a mix of contrast between beauty and some rough edges like we're facing now. A little bit of tension. I was trying to find the tension in this song. While also, I was always striving for beautiful melodies. I thought, who would be the best to play it? And Jaleel Shaw, he played so beautifully. One of the accompanying musicians on the uh, recording, of course. Mr. Joey Alexander from Denpasar, Bali, Indonesia. Now living in uh, New York City, of course, at the invite uh, and the behest of the brilliant, absolutely brilliant, Wynton Marsalis. Okay, so I want to play, and I'm going to play, because I'm the only one here, and this is my show, after all. A composition uh, originally written by Wayne Shorter, and this interpretation is by the great Miles Davis from his 1967 recording, Miles and Miles. Or Miles Smiles, I should say. <laughs> Miles Smiles. My goodness, bit of a mouthful there for me this morning. I think perhaps I need another cup of coffee. <laughs>
from his second great quintet, recorded over a two-day period in October 24th and 25th of 1966 at the Columbia 30th Street Studio in New York City. The record uh, featured, of course, uh, Wayne Shorter as uh, sax, Herbie Hancock on the piano, Ron Carter on the bass, and drummer Tony Williams, and of course, trumpeter extraordinaire Mr. Miles Davis. And of course, that record... uh, showcases Miles Davis' deeper exploration of modal performance with looser forms, tempos, and meters. Sorry, there's some noise in the background here. There are things going on in my building, I think. According to musicologist uh, Jeremy Yudkin, Miles Smiles falls under the post-bop subgenre, which he defines as an approach that is abstract and intense in the extreme with space created for rhythmic and coloristic independence of the drummer, an approach that incorporated modal and chordal harmonies, flexible form, structured choruses, choruses, (laughs) melodic variation, and free improvisation. Wow. I'm going to need a fourth cup of coffee this morning, I think. Music theorist um, Keith Waters wrote that the album accentuated the quintet's connection to both the hard bop tradition and the avant-garde. I can't argue with that. Now, of course, as I said, the the composition you just heard, Footprints, was uh, originally written by Wayne Shorter, featured on uh, his uh, earlier album, Adam's Apple. But on this uh, version, this uh, interpretation, the uh, drumming is in 12-8 or 6-8 time, and sometimes 4-4. So they're playing with unique time signatures on this uh, particular version, uh, heavily influenced by Afro-Cuban music. And you can hear the uh, drumming is rather, well, unique and different compared to the other instrumentalists on the record. It is a brilliant album and and has been rated basically four four and a half stars to five stars right across the board. All Music, uh, five stars. The Penguin Guide to Jazz, four out of four. Downbeat, four and a half out of five. The Rolling Stone Jazz Record Guide, five stars. So an absolutely outstanding recording from the late, great Miles Davis Quintet. Well, let's move it up a little bit. Um, this uh, next composition is a, is a Bill Evans piece, and it's titled Peace, Peace. P-E-A-C-E, P-I-E-C-E. Peace, peace from Bill Evans.
from the album Everybody Digs Bill Evans. That's Peace, Peace. Recorded on December 15th, 1959. Or, sorry, 1958. Released at the end of March of 1959. Now, if that composition sounds somewhat familiar to you, it, it should, because, well, it has been featured in a number of films and television shows over the decades. You may recognize it as um, flamenco sketches, because it reappears at the opening of that composition. Uh, he had been, of course, Bill Evans was recording with Miles Davis at the time. Miles Davis loved the piece, and he wanted to reuse it, so it's on that great album, Kind of Blue. Of course, Bill Evans joined the Miles Davis Quintet in uh, 19... was it 1958? I think it was 58. Let me just check my note here. Uh, yeah, February of 1958. Uh, it was Miles Davis urged him to um, uh, come down to the Colony Club in, in, in Brooklyn to play with the uh, Miles Davis Sextet. Now, at the time, the band consisted of John Coltrane, Cannonball Adderley, Paul Chambers, and Philly Joe Jones. Bill Evans knew it was an audition, and he thought he might be there to replace the recently, refired, uh, recently fired Red Garland. And by the end of the night, Davis told Evans that he would be playing their next engagement in Philadelphia. And that's kind of where his career exploded after that. Of course, he died in 1980, September 15th of 1980, after uh, having kicked his heroin habit, he decided to move on to cocaine, which caused a heart attack and took his life at the tender age of 51. And I say the tender age of 51 because I'll be 53 in, oh, a matter of weeks. Of course, the album Everybody Digs Bill Evans is just a brilliant, absolute masterpiece of jazz. Five stars right across the board from basically every critic regarded as his signature. And, of course, the piece you just heard, Peace, Peace, is exactly that. Chuck Israels, who was uh, later a basis of the, the Bill Evans trio, wrote this on his website, and it's a bit of a mouthful, but I want to relay it to you to give you an idea of what some of the other musicians who played with the great Bill Evans thought. Uh, of this he had to say, Peace Peace is an example of the depth of Evans' compositional te technique. It is an ostinato piece composed and recorded long before the most recent superficial synthesis of Indian and American music. In fact, it owes more to Satie and Debussy than to Ravi Shankar. The improvisation starts simply over a gentle ostinato, which quickly fades into the background. Evans allows the fantasy that evolves from the opening motive more freedom than he would in an improvisation tied to a changing accompaniment. He takes advantage of the ostinato as a unifying element against which ideas flower, growing more lush and colorful as the piece unfolds. Polytonalities and cross-rhythms increase in density as the ostinato undulates gently, providing a central rhythmic and tonal reference. The improvisation becomes increasingly complex against the unrelenting simplicity of the accompaniment, until, near the end, Evans gradually reconciles the two elements. Well, I, I would guess that's a musician's way to describe a, a musical piece. I don't know if I would describe it quite as such, but um, I, I will uh, say that his 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 um, comment about how it uh, was more to Satie and Debussy than Ravi Shankar is absolutely true. It's very reminiscent of both of those great composers. Okay. So struggling to keep things together this morning as I'm on my third cup of coffee and realizing I may need a fourth because I'm just stumbling over my own tongue today. thought I'd play you a composition by uh, the Dave Holland Quintet. Quint Quintet. Boy, oh boy, Paul. You really need to get it together today. This is titled uh, Bedouin Trail.
Trail from the album Dave Holland Quintet Points of View, recorded September 25th and 26th, 1997, at Avatar Studios in New York City, released on the 4th of April, 1998. Now, all Music uh, Review uh, Richard Janelle awarded the album four stars, calling it a marvelous example of thoughtful, dynamically shifting ECM chamber jazz. Okay. <laughs> of course, the album featured uh, Steve Wilson, uh, soprano and alto sax, Robin Eubanks, brother of Kevin Eubanks on trombone, Steve Nelson, uh, vibraphone and marimba, and Billy Kilson on the drums. The record received literally four and five star ratings from every critic that uh, had a chance to review it in depth. Of course, Dave Holland I have featured uh, in the past on this show. He's a He's originally from Wolverhampton, Staffordshire, in England, uh, jazz bassist, avant-garde jazz fusionist. He's lived in the United States for about uh, 40-some years. His work ranges from uh, pieces for solo performance all the way up to big band recordings. He launched his own record label back in 2005 titled Dare 2, as in the number 2. Uh, he, of course, did record uh, with Miles Davis and Philly Joe Jones, when he was part of the Bill Evans Trio back in 1968. Of course, Dave Holland is uh, 74 years of age this year. 74, when does he turn 75? October, we'll see, we'll celebrate his 75th birthday. A bit of a milestone there, eh? So, yes, Dave Holland, great jazz player. He's played with some of the greats, too. Um, Thelonious Monk at the Village Vanguard back in 1972. One of uh, Monk's last performances. He's also recorded with Stan Getz, John Abercrombie, Bonnie Raitt, which is a slightly different uh, departure there, as uh, Bonnie Raitt is a blues artist, not a jazz artist. Great Dave Holland. So, I have uh, one final song for you today, one composition, written by Kevin Hayes from the album All Things Are, Hayes Street Heart. Recorded live December 2020 at the Smoke Jazz and Supper Club to uh, commemorate Billy Hart's 80th birthday. I featured a composition from this in the past and probably will do so a few more in the future because from start to finish, this is just a great record. I featured For Heaven's Sake a couple of weeks back, I believe. Uh, Absolutely brilliant recording, and I particularly like this uh, composition. Elegia. E-L-E-G-I-A. I hope I pronounced that correctly. This is Hayes Street Heart from the album All Things Are. Elegia.
from the live recording All Things Are, featuring Kevin Hayes, Ben Street, and of course the great Billy Hart, Elegia, which of course was recorded to honor Billy Hart's 80th birthday back in uh, December of uh, 2020. Performed live for two nights in a row at a jazz club in New York City and recorded right off the floor. Nothing like a live jazz recording to really start your Sunday off, right, eh? So, uh, Kevin Hayes, a pianist extraordinaire, has been on the scene for, well, quite a few years now. He is. He just turned 53 on the 1st of May this year, and uh, he started playing in, in high school. His first recording date was uh, impresarios throughout his career. And, of course, Ben Street, uh, American jazz double bassist, He's a few years older, and he's recorded with, well, Billy Hart a number of times, of course. Also Aaron Parks, Adam Cruz, Mark Turner, Ben Monder, John Schofield, just just to name a few. He's been uh, releasing records since, uh, I guess, his first live, re- or his first recording goes back to um, 98. I thought he went back a little further than that, but I may be best, uh, I am mistaken. I was thinking it was 88 was his first recording. It's 97, actually, with Ben Maunder. His first uh, full-length album was uh, back in uh, 98 with Anthony Coleman. And, of course, Billy Hart, who has uh, been recording since, oh my goodness, 1960, I believe, when he first started. He was a part of uh, Herbie Hancock's sextet from 69 to 73. He's recorded with... Recorded, played and recorded with McCoy Tyner, Wayne Shorter, and Pharaoh Sanders, just to name a few. He also recorded with Stan Getz from 74 to 77. And he is a well-known music educator. As the man is, uh, like I said, he turned 80. He's featured on some 300-plus recordings in his career. An absolute monster of a, a drummer. I almost said bass player, my goodness gracious. Terribly sorry, Mr. Hart. Didn't mean to uh, mislabel you, as he is a brilliant drummer. So, I hope your Sunday's off to a wonderful start, and uh, I apologize that this is... It took me longer to record this this morning than normal. I had some cu- computer problems. I recently installed a new update, and I'd like to say thank the makers of Microsoft for continually sending my machine into a state of uh, blue screen of death. Um... It's happened about 30 times in the last few days since I updated my machine, so I might have to spin the clock back and un- uninstall those updates till they have something stable, because it's hard to get any work done when your computer continually crashes on you. Okay, enough about me. How about you? I hope you're feeling well. I hope you're happy. And wherever you are in this world, may you have a jazzy, cool Sunday. Until we meet again, my friends, I'll be back next week with some more jazz. And I should have the new uh, Volume 89 Songs and Stories really soon, uh, very soon. Still have some polishing to do upon it. It's not completed recording, and there's some edits I have to put in there, as there was some noise in the background a couple of times when I was recording. It happens. I mean, I can only do so much sound isolation in my apartment. Anyway... Till we meet again, take care, be well.